Welcome to Pirosa Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And this is special episode number 59. Whoa. Like big deal. Like huge. Huge. Really huge. Because for the first time ever, we have a guest on our podcast. But not any guest. Like this is somebody who actually has been supporting us since back in the day when like, you know, like 10 people listen to us. (laughs) And on top of that, he's, I think he's probably one of the most legit resellers out there like walks the talk and always sharing information constantly yeah so he's he's amazing so we have with us uh the one the only pete the craigslist hunter uh welcome on the show thank you guys thank you that that was an amazing introduction like all true all true um i appreciate it uh and thank you for having me on and um if i am i correct is this 59 episode for you guys like you said Yes, this is episode 59. Yeah. So it's over a year now. It's been over a year. Correct. Isn't that amazing? It is. The time flew by. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's amazing how much can happen in a year, you know? I know. Insane. Insane. So once again, thank you guys for having me on here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Pete, aka Craigless Hunter. I have a YouTube channel. I buy, sell, and trade. I have a brick and mortar shop. Uh, but my main sales do come from selling online uh obviously i do have a brick and mortar for a reason because i can buy stuff that way but i would say 70 to 80 percent stuff that i actually sell are sales created online and about 20 30 percent in my shop so that's a little backup history what i do and how i do it so yeah that's pretty awesome i was actually going to ask you about that because um you know, being the dreamer that I am, there's been several times that I've thought like, man, that'd be so cool to have a brick and mortar store and, and do that. And now you say that most of your sales are coming from eBay. So do you feel, do you feel like the brick and mortar is, is kind of not for everyone? Like that's like, it's very specific or, or do you feel like as a reseller that it's a huge tool for you? As a reseller, I think it's unbelievable tool. I mean, it. I obviously I created this for a reason, Mm -hmm. right? Because for many, many, many years, I just basically hustled the street. Okay. And there was many instances that we had opportunity running a different business, which was junk and debris removal business for years that all of a sudden we had some people show up at our office, at our shop, and were trying to sell us things. Um, and then we kind of figure out and took it to the next step, actually. Okay, it's working. People are bringing us stuff. Why don't we open something and try to sell out of that place and buy things? So at first, we did it actually at our office and, and the shop that we had till the city shut us down. because the, <laughs> No license or something? Well, not necessarily the license. Um, it was it was industrial and commercial zoning, so that was no ah, problem. Okay. But there was a one little tiny street that we were on, and when people showed up and started parking, we only did buying and selling on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It would be so packed that no other businesses can get into their businesses nice. because we had so many people. So they finally told us you can't do that, and that's when we made the switch. Okay, maybe it's time to open. It's time to actually open a real brick and mortar store that we buy, sell, and trade. And that's how we started, you know. So, yeah. so was that's huge. Like that, that's a really good problem to have to be so successful somewhere that they get rid of you and you have to go somewhere else. So my question though was, so you didn't start with eBay right away, then you did brick and mortars because I remember watching 
the interview you did with uh, Dominic, the primetime treasure hunter, and you were a DJ, right, for a little while. And then you. Well, you're going way back. <laughs> okay, well, I, I wanted to connect the dots because I watched the interview and I'm like, there's a gap there. I, I didn't hear about, you know, when did Craig, act, uh, when did Craigslist Center actually start, you know, doing eBay and so on? So actually, eBay, no, eBay was way before because we did. Okay, so listen, the name really came up Craigslist Hunter because we were buying a lot of stuff mm -hmm, on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. And I mean a lot. It was a daily thing, multiple places. Uh, we would have ads out there and go and buy things. And 90% of the time we would slip, I mean, uh, flip that stuff on eBay Okay. from beginning. Uh, I think my first original account we opened, I opened in 98. Um, and it was seriously active from like 2001, 2002, like full force. So for many, many years, it was just flipping on eBay till we got to brick and mortar store right around 2008 when, you know, when the economy actually collapsed and we had that big bust with real estate. That's when we actually, me and Adrian decided, let's jump into another business. Um, but yeah, so. Okay. You know what? That that brings up a question. Asking one of our questions that. We tried asking you on some of the, your lives, but you know you get lost in the lives because everybody asking questions was. So you decided to go to more eBay during the recession of 08. So what are your thoughts? Is reselling something that's doable during a recession? Understanding that if we have one now, it's going to be different. But I, what was your experience in 08? Uh, I think it was. Well, for us, we wanted to get our feet obviously wet in brick and mortar. That was totally new venture for us. Okay. We were already very, very experienced on eBay, doing this for about you know seven, eight years on eBay, and then getting into brick and mortar. That was the scary part. Could we pull it off? Could we make it happen? Uh, do people actually have a little bit of money to spend at that time in 2008? Do anybody going to buy anything from us? You know, uh, so I think it's very doable right now. Um, more than ever, I think. Okay. I think, you know, the, you know, you hear it all the time, right? Brick and mortar, brick and mortar is dying. My type of store is a little bit different. Um, what I offer to people is, a place that they can unload something quickly for quick money. And I think that kind of business is always going to be in existence. There's always people here and there that are going to be in need of, I need the money now. I need to pay some bills. Something came up. I need to sell this. Um, so it's totally different than being Best Buy or, you know, a Target, you know, something that, that constantly those people have such a small margins are playing against each other because they're just pushing product. Um, my idea of brick and mortar is more just buying, buying. I use that store mainly for buying and then maybe 20, 30% just selling and I sell the rest of it on online. So I think e-commerce, I think we're just starting with e-commerce, honestly. Okay. I think we got to get to the point that we're going to be so freaking lazy <laughs> that you're going to be laying on your phone and you're going to be ordering beer. You're going to be ordering croissants. You're going to be ordering everything because you just don't want to leave. Interesting. Okay. So. Do you think though, you know, like Amazon right now, you can get prime money, right? You can like sell stuff for like four or five times what it's worth, especially in Q4. But in 08, I don't see that happening. So was there a lot of, was it just secondary stuff that was selling well for you back in 08? Mm. If you remember. 
I, I mean, I, I will say that things that were selling good were like real necessities, okay. things that people really need. Okay. They wouldn't, you know, uh, blew, let's say $700 on a vintage accordion from 1956 because they just wanted to be, no, no, things like that were very stagnant and it was hard to move, but you know, these little toys, TVs, tools, a contractor needed a new drill because he needs to keep working because the other one broke and I gave him a deal. Things like that were still selling good, you know? So until this day, that's kind of my main and bread and butter selling, you know, things that people need on a daily basis. Yeah, all the vintage stuff, nice and dandy, but it's a very overall slow market, especially... I think millennials don't care too much yet about stuff like that. It's actually guys in my age, probably, or girls, they're, you know, in their 40s or 50s that have a little bit of money that they can spend on on the little toys that they wanted back in the day. And now they got the means to buy it and go out and buy it and they have fun with it, you know? So that's awesome. Um, so with Craigslist doing the the ads, because that's kind of like you said, one of the ways you got started. Um, were you just browsing other people's ads and trying to find stuff that people were selling? Were you putting out your own ads, offering to buy things? Like, what was your main method? And do you still do that, or is the brick and mortar kind of now the only? Well, you guys probably know I mentioned that already a few times that that actually Craigslist, at least in this area here in Chicagoland area. It, it died big time. Now it's still not dead, but it's dying off. Um, and as everybody knows, there was always so many scammers, mm-hmm. you know, so many people doing goofy stuff on Craigslist that uh, that at this point, I'm not doing any advertisement on Craigslist. I even pulled off anything that I sell off Craigslist when we used to have a ton of stuff online, meaning locally. I would always have. I'm not kidding you, four to 500 listings locally on Craigslist for people to buy from us. Now we have none. Wow. Now it's all let go, offer up, mm-hmm. and uh, and Facebook Marketplace. So And you're still having good luck with those, though. Those are still working out. That's always working. That's bringing the traffic to the store. We are constantly selling. Now, going back to your question, did I mainly browse stuff? I'm getting a little feedback echo. Are you guys hearing that? Or are you good? Uh-huh. No, I think it's good. Yeah, I think I don't, I'm not hearing it. I heard it for a second. Um, when I used to post ads on Craigslist, well, let me back it up. Mainly, first we we would we would browse different sections, looking for different stuff, and send people offers, 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 right? But the reply from the people was so long. Sometimes somebody would answer a day later, two days later, three days later, and we were like tired of it because you would actually forget what did you offer because yeah. we would send like non-stop offers to for different products so we figured okay let's not do that let's post like simple one sentence i'm looking for vintage electronics what do you got i pay cash on a spot i'm looking for vintage knives pay cash on a spot and we would just do 20 30 ads like that every single day and the phone would ring and we would cherry pick where we want to go and negotiate a little bit already on the phone so we get a good feel out of it. Okay, we got this one, this one, this one. There's six lined up. Let's go. Let's buy it. And we would do this every single day, you know, so till we open the shop. 
and it changed actually because then we told them when they called, here's the address, come on over, <laughs> make nice. it come to you. Hey, that's exactly. even better. So it's interesting. Um, you're very big on bulk buys, and I, I and I actually adopted your model when you started talking about that. I will say now. I don't ever go to thrift stores, maybe once in a while, you know, and usually it's, I leave my business card. You're very big on like letting people know you're a reseller, right? Cause that opens up doors. Do you find that st to be true offer with also with offer up and let go, like putting the ads now, will that still work? Or, or do you think it, it has to be more word of mouth? Uh, I think it works. Yeah, it still works. Okay. It still works. You can, you can do little ads like that still, uh, you, you know, word to mouth, obviously it's the best because, if somebody recommends you, there's confidence right there. It's 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 easy way, easy foot in the door. But um, you know, it's when you say bulk buys and thrift stores, there's 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 two different games that you're gonna play, right? It's like I still really really enjoy going to a thrift store. I still enjoy going to a garage sale. I'm still looking for that one-off item that I can pick up and you know, okay, buy it for five. Hey, it's a hundred dollar bill. Um, so I still really really enjoy it. But I think to scale it and make this like a real real business, you got to look at the bigger picture. Meaning you do have to buy in bulk, so you have because you got only so much time in a day. Time is a killer for us, right? You can only hit so many garages. You can only go to so many thrift stores. And if you don't score in that time, you're out. So if you can do bulk buys uh, that, that that will last you a long time, and, and you know some of the buys that you guys seen that I have done, you know, I bought something two years ago that I'm still selling. I bought something six months that I'm still selling. And, and, and they fill in each other. One ends, another comes in. So it's that's a it's a huge part of my business. I bet you I would do only about maybe 20, maybe 25% of business that I'm doing if I wouldn't do bulk buys. And I would still make it. Don't get me wrong. I would still make it if you are a one man show and you don't want to have a headache like I have, because I do have a headache, meaning you got, you, I got a big place. You got expenses, you got employees, people depend on you, which I get a little rush out of it because that keeps me going and gives me a little kick that I got to look for stuff because I got to make sure these people have things to do. Um, but if you are a one-man show or even, let's say, you know, husband and wife team or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend team, don't get me wrong, garage sales, thrift stores, a beautiful thing. You can make it. You can make it happen. You can make, you can work at your own pace. Um, are you going to make millions? No. no. There's no way because just not enough time that you can process things and find things, you know, doing this a one man show or even two person show. That's why I'm saying to scale up, you got to go after those big bulk buys, you know, uh, but Hey, it all depends how much you want to make too. And what kind of lifestyle you want to live. If you are okay with, you know, 40, 50 grand a year, if, if that works for you, why would you need the headache? Go out, find few things every day and, 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 you, and you're rolling. You don't need anything else, you know. You got a couple people on your team, meaning you and your wife. You can you you can definitely do hundred grand if you put your both minds to it and you create your own little system 
you can make it happen. Now the question is, are you living, you know, in Midwest like I am, or are you living in New York or like, for example, you guys in California when, you know, 50 grand maybe doesn't go as far as it goes right here in Midwest. So it all depends how you want to play this game, but hey, you can always get up and move. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, No, and that's the thing we've discussed. I mean, San Diego, I mean, we both live in condos. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, uh, yeah, I will say 50K doesn't make it. But part of it, what you talk about is reselling as a lifestyle. And you address this like many videos. So do you, why do you, why do you say it's, it's a lifestyle? Is it, is it because of that you're constantly having to check your phone? Is it because you got to make different choices about how you're spending your money? What is it that makes it a lifestyle? No, I look a little bit differently as far as the lifestyle. Okay. Because I, I actually, I, this is my life. This is what I really, really enjoy doing it. And when I get up in the morning, I'm pumped. Meaning, I, I this is what I'm going to go see today. This is what I'm going to sell today. This is what I'm potentially going to make a big deal on. It gives me that drive. I never get up in the morning and I go, uh, another eight hours of this, you know? Uh, so that's what I'm calling a lifestyle. Now, if tomorrow I decide that I want to go fishing, I'm going fishing tomorrow. That's the lifestyle that I chose, that I have the ability to do that. Uh, now, it might be a little bit harder when you're running an operation like I am running right now, but I do have a business partner that if something comes up, I do have that ability and and things in place that I can take off and not worry about it. So that's the lifestyle I'm talking about. I'm not talking really about how much money I'm making or anything like that. It's just, I really enjoy what I do and I feel like I can do this forever. Um, and I can, I, maybe this year I'm putting 60 hours a week. Next year, maybe I'm going to do only 25 hours a week. But the, the following year, I'm, I'm going to kick it up a notch again. And I'm going to, you know, th- this is the lifestyle I'm talking about. So, uh, no, that's awesome. Now, clearly you're, you're all in, like you, you're hustling, you're working really hard. Uh, you're doing tons of stuff with the brick and mortar selling on eBay. Um, have you always been like that? Like, is that like just who you are? Like what, I know you've got like an amazing story, but like, what is it that, that has made you so focused on working as hard as you do being your own boss, being, being so successful? Um, I think it's just in my blood and my DNA as, as, as long as I can remember, it's always been a hassle. Now you get, remember guys, most people always talk about and, and see actually out there the success stories. Would you believe if I tell you that this is my 17th business? Wow, did I know 17? That's awesome. Okay. Uh, 13 of them completely failed. Completely. Like, I was so down that I had to get a 9 to 5 job again, work for a couple of years to come back to life again and start all over again. I mean, so, yeah, I... You know, I'm surprised my wife is still with me <laughs> because what she went through from the last 30 years, it's been, I've been nuts, nonstop and nonstop hustle and doing things and trying things. And, you know, like I said, 13 out of the 17 business completely flopped it that I lost. And actually with few of them, 
no, actually with two of them, I lost so bad that I thought I was never going to recover. Hmm. So, but I did. Wow. And that's okay. amazing to, to, to see, you know, the, the, just the reality that it's not always easy, right? Like, like you've got to fail. Sometimes people fail many, many, many times before that success comes. Um, but you've got to be willing to, to put in the work and continue to work through. I mean, you obviously can never be successful unless you keep going. Uh, but I, I think that's, I think that's really important for our listeners at Pure Hustle Podcast to hear because a lot of people ask, and and that's one of the questions they ask is like, is this doable? Like, is it is it easy? And and we try and tell them, you know, it's not it's not always easy. It's possible. And I think to see somebody like you that's so successful, and for you to say like, it's not always that way. It wasn't always that way, and and it takes a lot of work. I think that's really yeah. that's huge. That's why I like you guys from the get-go when you started your podcast, because you were also real. You were talking about real struggles, real problems that we have. And there's struggle all the time. There's ups and downs. It's a one big roller coaster. So um, is it doable? Of course it's doable. But here's the little problem, especially when the social media plays a huge part of this, right? Instagram, Facebook, YouTubes, you know. Half of the stuff, I'm so, I think it's more than half. There's probably 75% of stuff that you see out there. It's all just glamorous, beautiful. You know, everybody's driving a Porsche, you know, <laughs> everybody's making a million dollars. Come on, get real. I mean, this is it just it doesn't happen. I mean, I mean, eventually maybe it does, but even, even though it doesn't happen like it's proceed out there and then shown, you know, some of some of craziness that that we see is just insane, you know, just insane. So a little bit of reality check. It's always needed because this is serious stuff. Um, and sometimes people will watch and listen to certain people and they think it's all nice and dandy and they jump into, you know, with with full force and they get a smack in the face right away. And they go, oh, what, what happened? There's no money growing on the trees. Like, you know, I mean, you really got to, any business, doesn't matter if it's reselling or whatever you're going to do, there's work involved and lots of work and you need help from other people. And it's just like, yeah, community of reselling is great, but it's just, you got to put in the hours, you got to put in the time and, and eventually it's going to start paying off. The problem is today's society, people are super impatient. They want everything like tomorrow. Let me sign up. And tomorrow, cha-ching, 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 doesn't work that way. You know, you're going to put 100 listings up and you might not sell anything and eventually slowly start trickling it, you know? No, I, I so. get you. And so I, I worry about social media in the sense that, you know, a year ago you had this video and you had talked about how there's less and less YouTubers out there. And a lot of people have fallen off. And I've noticed it myself because when I first started recently, like being serious about six years ago, I would say probably half of the people that I watch are still around. The other half, I have no idea what happened to them. Like they're, they're just, they're just gone. And you know, family things happen and people change professions, but you, you still believe like there's definitely a whole lot of, I would say part of the pie that's still available that we, we haven't even tapped into you. Like you said a few minutes ago on the podcast. So you still believe that to be true even a year later. Of course, of course, because there's only such a small percentage of us actually resellers that makes it. You know, I mean, most of the people, they drop off within just a couple of months or three months at the most half a year. And they say, oh, my gosh, I got to work. I got to get up in the morning at six and I got to pack some packages before I go to work. 
screw that, I'm not doing that. And they're done, you know, because they just can't just can't handle the pressure, can't handle the, the amount of work that it's needed. Um, so I think there's ton of room. There's ton of room for, for new resellers. And remember, things are always, we, I mean, there's always going to be antique, vintage, retro. There's, there's so much stuff out there. There's always market for somebody. And there's, you know, you don't have to know everything, but learn five, six, seven, eight, up to 10 good niches and you are golden. And learn one every half a year. Don't learn everything in 30 days because you just bought a course for $375. <laughs> you know, it's just impossible. Even if you do, I mean, don't get me wrong. Schooling is good because it helps you. It progresses you. It makes you learn things. But it's impossible to learn this business overnight. It takes time. Okay. People, I get messages every day and they say, oh, Pete, can I, can I go work in your store for a week for free? I'm like, yeah, you can. You're not going to learn everything in a week. You know, you, you're not even going to learn basics. It takes, look at me. I mean, everybody thinks that I started business seven months ago or something. I don't know. I mean, that's what people think. This is, this is 25 years in the making. You know what I mean? So it takes time. And eventually Every year you get better and better and better and better. And then after a while, you finally realize this is what I'm going after. This is what I'm buying. You don't even sometimes look up stuff anymore. You just you just go with the flow because you get it. You understand that light bulb finally went off. You understand this gig, but it took years to learn, you know? So I, I tell this to everybody. Everybody's impatient. They want everything like this, you know? Yeah. And they want, they want to know for sure that it's going to succeed. And and like you said, like 13 out of 17 businesses were, were a failure and a couple of those almost ended you. Right. And so I think that, you know, that might push some people away too. And they ask you like, you know, is it, is it doable? And it's when you say like, yeah, but you know, 13 out of 17 times you're going to fail really hard. And are you willing to get back up? That's, that's, that's huge. Yeah. A matter of fact, there, there's a little venture that I did not too long ago that I haven't talked about that. I thought I knew everything about it. Is and it? I had a couple people with me on it who knew a little bit about it as well. And guess what? It was a bad investment. I'm not going to say what it was. Uh, I but thought you were going to give us like a sneak preview no, on the podcast. No. Okay. No, it's just it's just something that, that you know, it was more like an, an, an investing. But still, you still got to educate yourself. And I guess I wasn't educated enough about it, you know? So it's always a gamble. I mean, it is a gamble. So I had a, I got a question, more of a practical one, you know, so you're mainly an eBay seller, right? You do Amazon, but you know, I'm going back and forth and Mike and I, I keep trying to convince Mike to do Amazon, but Amazon gets tricky. And right, right. now I'm in a place where I can pay my bills with eBay and then Amazon, you know, allows me to do the extra stuff, but I did it that way. Now it took me about a year to transition because Amazon is so, uh, there's just so many variables. Right. So is that part of the reason you you're mainly eBay or do you still do a lot of Amazon and you just don't talk about it much? Um, so we about till about two uh, 2019, 16, 2016 is when we scaled a little bit away from Amazon because things were starting to get a little bit tricky um, and a little bit more strict. Um, because we used to be almost 50-50 oh, wow. Amazon and eBay, okay? 
and then it got to the point that we were like 95% eBay, 5% Amazon. Now I came back a little bit again into Amazon, um, but we did it differently now. I'm doing 99% everything that I do with Amazon is merchant fulfilled. Huh, um, interesting. So I'm not sending the stuff in. I want that control. I really, really enjoy of having a control of the product that I have with me that I can do at any given moment stuff with that stuff. And all it takes is a click. It's off the website and I moved it somewhere else or whatever I need to do with it. So I love the aspect of having that control. And you have a lot of that, especially with eBay, right? Because you always have the physical product. And if you're doing merchant fulfill, this is pretty much the same way. Obviously, uh, the, the merchant fulfill on Amazon doesn't move as fast as you send it in and, and you're doing the prime. Um, but it's working. I mean, it's working. So uh, just to be honest, I like eBay more. Yeah, I, We're both eBay people. I, I've gone, I think I went into like the valley of Amazon for a while. <laughs> And uh, this Q4 was definitely, it was okay. Uh, I, I didn't do as well as I thought and got back to my roots. And I think Mike's enjoying eBay. And I agree with you, Pete. I, I like the control. I like the fact that it's not, I, it's not robotic. You're always trying to find that next treasure and you can list it. And then you it validates it when you sell it and so on. So. Right. And, and even talking to the people, the customers, if there's issues, you can you can figure out uh, or if there's questions prior they buy it, you know, so there's that interaction. And I really enjoy that interactions and you building, especially if you're selling things that potentially people might come back to you and buy again, you building that confidence in your customer. He bought it. You know, I sell a lot of vintage electronics. I have multiple people coming back to me and oh, wow. buying. Okay, that's good. And they like that experience. You will never see that on Amazon. <laughs> no, that's true. Never. I, I think Amazon is it's it's really hard in the in the sense that like the returns, the yeah, you never get feedback, you never get an opportunity to make it right. Once you're done, you're done. And yeah. and Jeff Bezos moves on. So that's <laughs> I awesome. mean, don't don't get me wrong, it's a great platform. I mean, the, the eyeballs that you have on your products, oh, yeah. it's just insane what, what Amazon created, right? But it's like, uh, you really got to be, first of all, you really got to know what you're doing, especially these days, because uh, to get kicked off the platform, it's pretty easy if you don't know what you're doing, you know? Uh, you really got to follow the rules. Um, so flexibility right there with eBay is, is a lot easier, a lot more friendlier, especially when you're starting out. I think it would be very, very hard for a new seller to just like jump in with never selling anything, just do Amazon right off the get go. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now I got a question. So you, you had a, a good point. I think your your suggestion of learning a new niche like every every six months and really, you know, staying kind of current with that stuff, not overwhelming yourself. Um how do you kind of have like your locked in ones that you do regularly or have you how do you stay current? Like, how do you know what, what's trending, how things are changing, styles, stuff like that? What, how do you keep your pulse on culture? Um, that's a hard question to answer, man, because there's so much stuff out there. And to, to stay on top of things, it's, it's very hard. Now, obviously, it does help when you look at the niche and you're trying to learn about it, but it gives you a satisfaction that actually this is something that I might like myself. 
because that will help you get into that niche even deeper. If it's something that you're just going to go, ah, it's hot, people are selling that, but you absolutely hate it, you're probably going to make a ton of mistakes no matter what because you just know few things about it just enough to maybe be slightly dangerous. I know this by myself. I know a lot of stuff just to be dangerous, but sometimes it is dangerous for me because I'll buy things and I'll be like, "Mm, I don't know enough about this. Now I don't know what to do with this, you know, or how do I test this or, you know, so, so be really careful. That's why I say, don't learn things like within a week or a month, you know, do a a new niche every six months, learn it really good if you enjoy it. And it's going to take you some time, but eventually you're going to learn it. Like I live and breed, for example, vintage electronics, but it's not only when you say vintage electronics that you're looking at the turntable that it's sitting next to me. It's all kinds of vintage electronics, right? I like camera equipment. Um, I like, you know, uh, frequency radios. I mean, there's there's so much when it comes to electronics that you, that niche is so big that you can, you, that's all you have to do, really. I mean, there's so many different things you can, but, you know, there's, if, here here's the major problem, I think. When, we talk about niches. I think over the, I can tell you that I probably don't know more than really like really good about six, seven niches that, that, that I know like well enough that I never have to pull out my phone. I see it. I know buy it. This is going to make me money. This is a good price. Um, everything else. I know enough that I still got to take this little baby out and double check it before, you know, I spent, you know, a couple hundred bucks. So educate yourself enough, but if you need help, it's always in your pocket, right? I mean, and that's a lot of times people are scared if they go on a garage sale or, or somewhere, they don't want to pull out the phone. Why not? You're the customer. You're the guy who's paying it. What, they're going to tell you, get out of here and don't buy my, you know, spend a couple minutes or even walk away a few steps, check it, double check it if you're not sure. You know, you're never going to be perfect. But yeah, educate yourself every single time. If you can learn a new niche every every few months, you know, that's that's the key to this game. Okay. So. That that's good to know. I mean, you're developing niches, I'm developing more and more. So my question, Pete, so Mike and I go back and forth. Mike's been pressuring me to do posh, Mark. And uh I'm more of like, hey, eBay's working well for me, Amazon's wor- is working well for me. Pete, what are your thoughts on multiple platforms? I mean, you seem to be doing well just on eBay and Amazon. Is there a need or should you just really excel at one or two? It's hard because even though I'm doing two platforms, but the reason I'm doing this, remember I have a team, I have people that help me, right? So it's very hard to attack few platforms because if you don't concentrate on one, the other one is lacking or vice versa. You're going to put more time here because you got more orders here all of a sudden. Then you're lacking here. All of a sudden, this one starts down. So you move over here. And now this one, you know, it's, 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 it's a balancing act. It's hard. Honestly, single person to do more than two platform i think it's insane and possible and eventually something's gonna go wrong and you're gonna screw up something um yeah it's always good to have a little backup plan but to be like 
to do Pash, to do eBay, you know, there's so many different also other to do like everything. I think it's, it's just insanity. It's impossible. Either you are really, really, really good at one and you concentrate and the other ones are like, you know, you bouncing, right? Because you found a deal. So let me send it in a little bit here or, you know, but you, I think you got to concentrate on one. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. And I have a team now and we are running basically, you know, the, the local game and then two platforms and it's a lot. That's good to know. So, so Mike no longer can put pressure on me anymore. I'm good now. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate Plus, that. Plus, like we tried Posh too, not with the clothing, but with some cosmetics on it. Okay. And, and it started working slowly, but it was too much. And all of a sudden it's like, Vicky tells me, Pete, did you take care of those three orders today on Posh? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? What orders? I didn't see anything. Were you sharing closets? I was so, <laughs> I was so busy because I had 45 orders yeah. on eBay that I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to get make sure those are getting out. Then I had another 12 on Amazon. I was already overwhelmed from 6 o'clock in the morning till about 11. And then she tells me, did you send those out? I'm like, <laughs> gosh, I haven't even looked at it yet. You know? So it's like just... You know, when when you when you start growing and it, things get a little bit busy and it gets hectic, you're gonna start making mistakes if you don't have help. And to manage then three, four platforms, forget it, forget it. Okay, that is good to know. I appreciate the truth. I, I just, I'm just being honest. No, you're being real. That's good. We need it. I needed to hear that. I feel better now. I'm gonna sleep well now, Mike. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you so- deserve it, I guess. <laughs> Hey, so Pia, uh, I don't want to, okay. I want to talk. So we're going to talk about the store that shall not be named. That's what we call Goodwill. And it's just kind of a funny thing we do on our podcast, just because there's this major fear out there. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of fear out there. Like don't hashtag Goodwill, you know, block them on social media, like be careful what you share. And it was funny because I think over a year ago, Pete, you had run into a Goodwill employee who had mentioned something about that they used your videos for their training. I don't know if you remember that. You probably do because that must have been a big deal. So with that being said, though, do you think that that is reality or you think that's just kind of we're kind of just parent, you know, as resellers, we get paranoid, but Goodwill can figure things out because they've been doing it for a while. What are your thoughts on that? For sure. And that video I think I made it was already like two years ago. Oh, two but, years ago. But still, sorry. anyway. There, remember, Goodwill is in a business to make money, just like we are, right? Yeah, they are a charity (laughs) in some sense, in some percentage of their profits, but it's business for them, right? Just like it is for us. And if they can make a buck and if they can squeeze as much money as they can out of if it's us or other people or whoever buys, they will. I'm as simple as that. It's numbers games for them, just like it is for us. So, and they do it in such a big volume that, you know, so many stores across America, it adds up really quickly, right? That 50 cents more here, that $2 more here, all of a sudden, when you look at the big pictures, you're talking millions. So it's numbers games for them. Um, We get mad, of course. Because, yeah, they are charging me all of a sudden this much and this much and this much. They know their numbers, right? If they're going to see decline in sales, they're going to lower their prices. Simple mathematics for them. Um, It's a brand name now. People know the store. People go in. 
Um, if they're going to lose few resellers here and there, not a big deal for them, but it's numbers game for them. So they are adjusting the prices according to the market, just like any other store out there. Um, same thing with savers. Maybe a little bit different with mom and pop stores, smaller ones, but the big, big giants, corporations, uh, I honestly... I don't think they care about us resellers overall. I don't. I don't think we. It's just a numbers game. Yes, they want to educate their people, right? Far as like, okay, this might be trending. Look at this. Okay, we can get more money because it's all money for them. So it's in their best interest to train their people, their managers, you know, to put the right tags on certain stuff. But still, stuff falls through the crack all the time. I find stuff all the time. So. I've been out to the Goodwills by where you're located and the prices are high, like San Diego. It's kind of interesting because it seems like it's a nationwide a trend. But, you know, you would still say, and we've, you've said this already in the podcast, that thrift stores still have their weak spots. And ultimately, it's a knowledge game, right? You always talk about it's a knowledge game. Like you just have to know more, right? Not just on your phone, but you just have to know more before you enter the store. Exactly. And ability also to spot the okay. certain stuff as you're walking through the store, right? You, you, All of us, at least me, I have like four or five areas in a store that I hit like right away and I scan it really quick. And I know if I should spend more time in it here because they got some new merchandise or not. But you ability that, that you can relatively, because, rem, you know, you, you can spend six hours in a drift store going through every freaking rack and every shelf and looking at stuff. No, you... you the ability for us as resellers to know enough that if you scan something and all of a sudden you go, oh, I see it. You stop and you go and you look at it and you figure out if it's worth it or not. And then you move on and you do the same thing again. I think that's the key of doing thrift stores. That's the key of doing garage sales. Um, same thing with flea markets. It's just the train eye that we train ourselves what to look for, the niches that I was talking about that you learn, that you go after and, you know, it's, it's, it's a game, man. <laughs> no, that ain't it. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So eBay opens coming up and uh, eBay open. I've never been, we're planning on going this year. So I'm excited about it. Um, just cause you know, eBay is kind of a, you know, it's, it's huge for me. Like it's done so much for me in this last year, uh, but you've been reselling for, for a long time. You're really familiar with reselling. Um, what are some things that you feel like eBay could like work on to improve like what what are the areas that you if you could change ebay if you could talk to directly to uh, the ceo talk say, to devin yeah how, how do we fix this or do this differently like what what would you say number one thing that i would talk to them to change is nothing about really how they use their platform for us to resell how we put things on how customers buy it none of this i think they got it overall pretty good everything works pretty good i have one one major complaint about ebay and they are a technology company they say that they are a technology company and in in 2019 they don't get this they do not understand how to use social media okay and so what do you mean by this is found on that for sure. they. I don't think they don't know how to appropriately use to their advantage how, like people like us, for example, mm -hmm. you and me, influencers, meaning 
that we spread the word. We teach the people, we brave about the platform, and they totally ignore us, meaning that they can use us as their big, loud voice speakers to spread the message and embrace that. And they don't do that. They don't. They could use it on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. They don't. Uh, instead, they're going to go out and find a real actor or celebrity, and they're going to bring it on their channel, make a stupid two-minute video with them, and put it on their channel. And that's their way of, like, I don't, I don't get it. This day and age, 2019, they haven't figured out how to really... I mean, maybe they figure out how to put the ads, you know, on Facebook and things like that, because you see stuff popping up, right? They understand that part of technology that if you're searching today for an iPhone, tomorrow you see it on your feed, right? Okay, yeah, sure. And you buy from you, eBay, you know, you see it on your feed and they, they throw it at you because everybody else does that. And that's pretty common. But to their advantage, I don't think they understand how they can use a social media and us to promote their site. I think they're very narrow-minded in how they actually promoting their side. What kind of jewel they have, they don't realize that they can take it to the next level. They still want to compete so badly with Amazon. Mm. And they can't because they're here and Amazon is right here. They can't even see it anymore. They left them behind so far away and they still want to compete with it. And they got to realize that they got their own gig going that really have no competition in that market, which is a used market, and they can really blow it out of the proportion now, but they still want to chase, you know, Amazon. I don't, I don't get that. So I don't know. Maybe I don't see the numbers. Maybe I'm the guy who's not actually seeing the numbers, what's working better for them. I'm assuming they're probably selling more new items than used. Mm -hmm. That's been probably proven, but still, they started and they grew up from that used stuff, right? I mean, we know that. And and everybody, if somebody says, hey, go get a, a battery for this drill, where are you going to go if you need a used one? Everybody says eBay. Nobody says Amazon. If you want a used product, nobody thinks of used of Amazon. They always think of eBay. So, And I don't think they're not capitalizing on that. You know, they could big time through all the markets, through because they're in what, 160 markets? I don't know how many markets they're in. They're, they're everywhere. They're big, right? they're international, yeah. So that's one of my big beef. Everything else, we're always going to have scammers no matter what kind of platform. People are going to cry always. People are always going to figure out the system. They try to protect us as much as we they can. Uh, there's always going to be gray areas. We're always going to bottom there's nothing you can do about it this is the nature of the beast and it does it this happens in my brick and mortar every single day somebody tells me you know give me my money back this doesn't work i'm like you bought it from me you dig your whole yard with this rototiller now you're bringing it back and you tell me three days later that it doesn't work okay same thing is going to happen everywhere uh, so I think that aspect of the business they got to figure out pretty good they're protecting i think they're paying attention a little bit more to us as resellers lately because the last few years been kind of rough uh but i think they're paying a little bit more attention what we want as resellers and they're they're looking at both stories now you know the buyer and the seller um so i think everything that is happening on their side it's good it's just they 
they're not promoting themselves enough. And I understand they got shareholders, they really care only about numbers, but they're grow they need to grow and they're they're stopped. There was some point somewhere that they said, we reached a certain point now, let's milk it. Mm. Let's milk it, let's not promote it anymore. We are good. We got we have so many visits every day. We are top of the world. Only another bigger company, which is Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And look at Amazon. They're constantly investing in themselves. They're constantly growing. What is eBay doing? Tell me one good thing that they did within the last five years that they're growing. One thing. You, what is it? Are you asking rhetorically or do you want an answer? <laughs> I want an answer. I, I you know, I, I, I would say the send offer. I mean, I'm I'm talking about functionality. As far as promotion, I will say that is, yeah. I mean, that's something, you know, that definitely, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, Pete, because I, I will say until, la until this last year, it seems that eBay kind of was the same. I mean, remember we went through that terrible phase where they had a defect rate? I don't know if you remember that, like three or four years ago. That was a mess. That was just a bad PR move. And I think this last year with the send offer and hopefully soon this managed payments thing, you know, and eBay global shipping, I think those have been changers. But yeah, there's still, there's still room. I think there's still room. And again, we don't work for eBay, so that's where we're at. But like I said, so, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that there's good things happening on a side itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's what they I mean. Did yeah. Small improvements here and there and, and, and they're working. Uh, but overall as, as eBay, I don't think they're doing enough to like promote themselves that they actually exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Ask any, any 20 year old right now, did they bought and sold anything on eBay? What they're going to tell you? They're going to go, what? Yeah. yeah, eBay. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, we've I've talked about that before. Is that's such a strange thing, and you nailed it. I think right on the head is like Amazon and eBay are two separate things, and yet in a lot of ways it does seem like eBay is is trying to be Amazon, uh, but they're playing different games and and embracing that and embracing that they're different um, would actually be a strength for them. Would actually help them to to reach the market that they're unique in. Yeah. And I think the win, I think the eBay, the, the reason that they're still kind of moving along is because it's still part of our culture. You know, like you watch a movie and somebody says, where'd you get that? And, and the actor will go, oh, I got this on eBay. Right. Or or you'll watch a you know a show and they're like, hey, I need to find this. But I agree. Like social media is a whole different world. Like being on the TV and the movie is totally different. So totally hear what you're saying, Pete. <laughs> and, and you know what worries me, too, that one day. And it's going to be too late. And they're going to realize that they should have done more because one day another players, excuse me, another player is going to come along and all of a sudden there'll be no eBay because somebody's going to come in and play so hard that they won't know what happened. Just like Sears, just like Kmart, just like any of the big players that were out there, they were doing their business. Every day, 160 million people visit my site, and then tomorrow there's 6 million because somebody came along and slapped them in the face because they were not doing things that they were supposed to do. That's what's going to happen to eBay. Okay. I hope you're listening, eBay. Oh, no. Oh, they, they will. <laughs> we'll see. No, no, no. I, I know they will. So anyways, we'll, we'll share some more after. But uh, hey, uh, so my question is, though, 
so on the site, you think the site's still good? You think the the free returns? You think the send offer? Have you been? I know I want to get down to the nitty gritty a little bit. I t- asked you this last week when we had, you know, we didn't get to record, but uh, you know, the good till canceled. So are you're still doing that consistently? You're talking about ending listings and you know restarting them, I guess, right? Like so similar. Is that how you're doing it to get? Because it's good till canceled was a game changer. I haven't felt the effects, but I know a lot of sellers have. So you're saying you're finding success and are you doing promoted listings with that? Um, so let me answer the second part of the question first about okay. promoting listing, promoting listings. Um, I never did them. I never will. I think it's a suck that eBay figure out how to get more money out of the seller. Simple as that. Okay. If you have a good product and you price it right, um, it should sell no matter what. Now, if you are in a very, very tough um, niche that the competition is so big, then maybe, yes, it will work in your favor a little bit here and there. But personally, I don't do them and I'll never will. Okay. Um, so that that's it on, on okay. that. Now, good to cancel. It was, a, it was a huge slap in my face. So I made the whole video about it. I'm, I'm sure a lot of yeah, people, you know, seen it, but. Our sales completely tank. Now, I do understand one part why they did this, because they wanted to get better ranking at Google and all this stuff that that was supposed to help uh, in search. Till this day, when I do search in Google, I'm sorry, but it's not working because I can't find 90% of the stuff that I'm searching for. So I don't know how true was that are they doing this for search with Google? Because a lot of times I can't find stuff. Now, if you're looking for older stuff with Google and Google Images, you'll have a better success than the stuff that it's under current side active. Um, So it was a big slap in the face, at least for me, because we always did either 7, 10, 30, 7, 7, 10, 30, and we always had very active listing always renewing them there's stuff always happening and when the good to cancel came in it really like buried stuff i mean we we dropped so much in sales you know 30 40 percent when you're doing serious numbers it's a big slap in the face so yes we are still doing to answer your question ending listings early um now we change a little bit right now which listings we are ending early. Stuff that I want to move quicker or maybe I have more money tied up in it. Stuff that I have peanuts in it and I don't care and I know eventually they're going to sell no matter what that I'm not touching. I'll let them marinate. They can go, you know, if I got pennies in this and I'm asking $18 for it, let it sit. I don't care. But if I got something for that I paid 300 bucks and I'm asking a thousand, okay, and I got some serious money and all of a sudden this item disappears and I got money tied up, which I need to move, then I will end the listing like that and renew it. Actually, my number is I think right now we're doing pretty much anything $100 and over will end that listing and restart that. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, that's a good benchmark. I think that's good. So let me, I want to turn it a little bit though, Pete. <laughs> so we, we didn't get on eBay's case, but eBay, eBay definitely is, is good for all of us. Right. I mean, to a certain point, like we, 
I, I know I wouldn't be able to do what I do without eBay. So do you find eBay, 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 I love you. <laughs> I, do you hear me, eBay? I love you. I I never said anything bad. You never heard me say anything bad. No, absolutely, guys. I mean, come on, without without this platform, we would not exist. Simple. Okay. No, no, I just wanted to throw because you know, I, I gotta say, Mike and I go through that. I tell Mike all the time, I'm like I probably need to get just an eBay tattoo. So then whenever I say anything, people know where I stand that eBay <laughs> is still what I what I believe to be the best place for someone to get started because you learn a lot and there's a huge market that you can't have on any other platform, especially for used items. So now I had a question. Uh, no, I already asked the question about the recession. Now, eBay has been kind of like your major scores, right? It has been all on eBay pretty much. I would say so, yes. Okay. Yes. So what do you, and this is kind of, I don't know, what would you say, and maybe you've already shared this, what was one of your biggest scores you would say in your reselling career? And then one is, what if you want to share, you know, you don't have to share your biggest mistake in reselling, but you, it'd be helpful to know <laughs> just so we can all learn and, and, you know, what were the steps that led you to make that mistake? So why, why don't we start with the, with the bad, if you want, Pete, like what is something you wish you had avoided or you had done differently? Uh, hmm. I think, and it's for a lot of people, Concentrate at the beginning and really figure out, especially now these days, because a lot of, there's a lot of changes at the moment, shipping. Okay. Shipping at the moment, if I could knew and understand from the get-go, it's a, it was a game changer for me to actually learn and know what you're doing. And especially when you're doing bigger stuff like I did even at the beginning, so sending a lot of heavy, big vintage electronics, because I lost at the beginning on some of this stuff. I had no idea what I was doing, you know? I mean, putting, you know, and this is, I'm talking even years ago, putting, you know, $12, $15 on something that I'm going to ship that was 50 pounds and it's going to go across America and it cost me, you know, $40 and all of a sudden all the profit disappeared. So this was a at the beginning, maybe not a mistake, but something that I would concentrate more to learn because I got burned, you know, at the beginning and we had to figure out, you know, okay, now I can use freight for this or UPS ground or FedEx ground. So learn those, those steps at the beginning, uh, because it will save you a lot of headache and it will save you a lot of money. You know, what else? We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. What else as far as like bad, bad stuff? Um, don't buy and sell things that have an expiration date that comes up really quickly. Okay. So did you have a bulk <laughs> buy? Because you're going to have a problem on your hands, you know, not only either from a site that you're selling on, but from the people that are going to get this stuff and it's going to be expired. So pay attention to that. Yeah, you don't want to be responsible um, for someone's stomachache, right? <laughs> now, and I'm not only talking, guys, about food products. Don't be stupid like me and buy a software <laughs> that it's for doing income tax. I remember this. And you... And you don't pay attention to the date and you spend crap load of money, you oh. put it on a side, you title with the correct date that you're thinking it is, 
you ship out 200 of them Ooh. for a few thousand dollars, and then every single one of them is a return. Oh. Pay attention. Okay, but here, here's the thing. <laughs> This is this is good for all of us to hear, right? Because if Pete can't can't end up, I mean, you know, that's a that's a big deal, right? And but you recovered, right? You still were able to resolve it. So what I know you shared this, it was in a video because I remember watching this video. But real quick, how did you resolve that issue? Because that looks like monumental. Like, how do you fix that? Well, the only reason I resolved, I lost a few thousand dollars because I gave everybody a freaking refund. Okay. That that was you know to save. So I don't get million bad feedbacks and, you know, very unhappy people. Uh, it actually cost me double because the way I was doing it, people that took me up on it, I paid for their new software. Oh, wow. So I gave Huge. him a refund and I said, listen, buy a new software and I'll pay for it. This was exactly a few years back when we had all this craziness going on on eBay. If you had too many bad feedbacks and oh, too many cases they would shut you down. So I was doing everything in my power to save my, and I did, but cost a lot of money, but I did. So you always got to pay attention what you're buying, you know, because it could cost you. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that happens. You know, I mean, I, I've, I've shipped expired ink, uh, but that's a much smaller scale, but you know, it's the same lesson. You've got to, you got to pay attention to those small details because big or small, I mean, it's, it, it'll yeah. it'll bite you. I mean, there's nothing wrong with shipping expired ink, long mm -hmm. as you let people know. People yeah. still buy it, right? Yeah. I mean, as long as you disclose it by what I did, telling people totally opposite, this is all good, new, <laughs> brand new, this date, this date, and it was totally wrong, you know? So, um, yeah, it happens. It happens. Now, going to the first part of the question. Yeah, the, the, the positive side. Item, the best item I can tell you right now, because I just shared it a mm -hmm. couple of videos ago, I made a video about it. Um, and I tell you, if I could, I would be just buying and selling cosmetics. Mm. I'm telling you the market ladies will do anything to look pretty for us. Simple as that. No, simple as that. Really cosmetics sell and they sell in huge volume and big numbers uh, and there's lots of companies out there, obviously, in this market, but they're all making it, mm -hmm. right? Because it's 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 just huge. Um, and me, when I had an opportunity to buy um, the big buy that I did for, for cosmetics, it took me, and uh, this was only part of this whole buy that I bought. I'm still selling different stuff, but this particular product that I bought, that I paid about $10,000 and took me a year to sell a little tiny little tubes, but it made me 30 grand, mm. you know? Yes. So, so when you look at it in a, in a smaller picture, this is something that you're buying for $10, right? To sell it for 40 to profit that 30 bucks. But when you look at a bigger picture, you invest $10,000 and you get $30,000 profit out of it. You do few like that, you're golden, right? Yeah. Every oh, year. Yeah. Yeah. If you could scale like that, that's that's amazing. That's 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 what this game is all about. I think if you can figure out how to scale it like that, that you have those few products that every this one is gonna make you ten thousand this year, this one is gonna make you seventeen, this one thirty, this one sixty-two, you're golden. It it takes time. And it's funny because a lot of a lot of times. 
people will message me actually quite often and they ask, can you share the information? It's like, if I share with you, if I tell you, I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> I mean, this is years of me working, networking, finding connections to find some of the deals. Of course, I'm not going to share you. So you think That's there's just... a fine line between like th there's sharing, but then there's certain things you don't share. Well, of course. I mean, I mean that's a big debate right now. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. I, I, you can't share stuff that, that especially with my following, I'm going to say something out there that thousands of people are going to. Can you imagine me saying one thing, go out, buy tomorrow? That market tanks within seven seconds. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, I can talk about one-offs, you know, go buy this vintage iPod because, you know, you're going to make money on it. It's not like somebody's going to walk into Walmart and buy a hundred of them because, you know, you might find one every 72 garage sales, you know, and so that's totally different. But like talking about buying in bulk, talking about for retail arbitrage, absolutely. You can't, you know, it's just, this is what we do. Right. This is uh, this is what pays bills. I can't, you know. Here's my source. Right. I it took me six years to find this guy. Yeah, go go buy from him now. It's not gonna happen. Oh, it's I, not gonna happen. I appreciate you sharing that. No, because that's that's a big question about social media. Like we've talked about social media, it it can be it can benefit. Right. It's benefit you know us a lot. It's benefit others, but it can also, you know, especially Q4, a lot of things tanked like crazy. Because people were kind of like, you know, hey, hey, look at the store. I got a hundred of this item, and everybody else went out there, and then no more. Like, no and more. and but but you also got to realize a lot of times, the people that share some of the information too, they already made their money too. No, that's true. Most of the time, and they said then later on, oh, look at this, you can make so much money. And right now, they just sold the last one on Amazon, and there's hardly anything left. But still, people are flocking. And buying, and now the market is completely flooded and tank. They already made their money, so there's a lot Good of point. people like that who just don't care after they they made their money and they made everybody else completely. You know, yeah, we don't want to get into this because I think that's <laughs> it's 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 such a rabbit hole that we can go into that it's that it's it's bad in reselling. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I got a question for you. So originally, I was just going to ask you like tips that you have for, for new resellers, but I think you've already given us so many tips for that. I'm, I'm I want to think a little bit differently. So I, I teach high school English. And so I've got lots of high school students and throughout the day or throughout the year, I try and give them little bits of life advice. And I can only imagine how amazing it would be to have somebody like you um, with the story that you have, everything you've been through, um, not just to give reselling advice, but like if you could give uh, a young freshman in high school, like life advice. They're they're at that point, that age where they're starting to figure out who they are. Like, what what would be the thing that you wish somebody told you when you were fourteen or fifteen? Um, three things, I think, and I think number one would be patience, because I think, and it's not even younger people. It's 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 kind of across the board. People just are impatient. So if you can't if you can figure out that in a young age, okay, that would be great. Just be patient. Whatever you're starting, put your mind to it. Hard work will be next. Just like go at it. Really, you know, do it. Don't give up right away. And um, 
And then if you figure out, make sure you actually enjoy that, what you just did. Because if you don't, no matter how much money it brings you or whatever you're going to do, you, it's going to make you miserable eventually. I would rather, I mean, seriously, and I had some, I had to go out and get some corporate jobs out there too. And I had them for a little bit. And I tell you, man, it's not for me because it's just not my thing at all. But if I would have had to do this for 10, 15, 25 years or sit in some kind of cubicle or something, I would kill myself. So figure out what you really enjoy and stick with it and be patient. And I think eventually it's going to pay off. Uh, but you got to enjoy it because it's so much better, right? When you get up and you really enjoy what you're doing, it's not really work. I mean, and I know I sound like a broken wheel because it's been said so many times, but it's so true. It's so true. If you really, truly enjoy what you do and you are patient about it and you're hardworking at it, it's a breeze. And also that's three things that I would say to somebody that it's, you know, so, yeah. so for you, it, it it could go either route. It could be be an entrepreneur. It could be go to college. It could be work on Wall Street. All, all three apply to those. Like you're not adverse to people going to school or people trying to find a nine to five. If that's what makes them happy. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not against school in any way. Although if you guys know, I'm, I'm a dropout. Um, but both of my girls, I pushed them to school and both graduated, you know, with big honors, you know, one of them is a doctor, another one soon to maybe be a doctor as well. I pushed them really hard. Uh, so I'm not against that at all whatsoever. I mean, whatever makes you happy, meaning like inside, deep inside, you want to be entrepreneur because you like hustle, do it. You are creative. You want to be you know, you want to build things or, you know, be an engineer. I mean, just whatever really, really honestly makes you happy and your life is going to be so much more appreciated and, and you, it's so much easier for you. You know how many people are struggle out there right now, even though they make good money, but they get up in the morning and they have to go and do the gig that they hate. They've been in it for 12 years, but they're so locked in in it because they have a car payment, they have a mortgage, they have three kids, they got this and that. And it's just like, they can't get out. Mm. They're locked in, you know? So, and it's like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? So from the get-go, if you can figure that out, your life is going to be so much better, man. That's good wisdom. So, Appreciate that. So I had a question because, you know, we've talked a lot about new sellers, but there's a lot of experienced sellers, Pete, right? And and what is, is there any advice? And I know this is tough because everybody has like their different field and their different platform and they do things differently. But what are some things you would, you would say experienced sellers like that, you know, people that you, you're friends with also that you would say, hey, this is something to keep doing or this is something you should be doing or is this something I learned over you know the last few years as reselling has changed? But like, what do you mean to, to, to give him? So, you know, there's, there's some, there's, so there's different kinds. There's some resellers that are kind of like, Hey, I've been doing the same thing. Everything's going wrong because, you know, it's eBay's fault or it's Amazon's fault, or whatever. Then there's other resellers that are adapting, right? They're figuring out how to do things. And then there's other resellers that are kind of like, I'm done re with reselling. There's no more, like it's all done. Everything's saturated. Everything's done. So 
if you're an experienced reseller, how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep yourself strong in the business and continue being successful? Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you are that reseller that everybody's against you, right? eBay is against me. This one is against me. It's not working out. You should have quit already six months ago. <laughs> That's my advice. Like it's not for you, really. You can't figure this out. Um, but for us that, that that have been doing this for a while, but you you have the ups and downs, right? Um, you you gotta navigate, right? Because there there will be times that you were good at something, and that particular product was selling extremely well for you six years ago. And then it took a dive. And now, you know, you used to sell 27 of them a day. Now you sell four. And that four doesn't even break you even. And you're going, oh, my God, is this even worth it? That's when you got to start figure out that trend that you got to see and spot it as it's going down. What to do? Are you going to pull the plug? Are you going to get out? Are you going to do something else? Just to give you a good example. I don't know if you guys remember, this was a couple of years ago. I opened another store, mm -hmm. right? I opened in a city in Chicago. Apparently, I thought it was a great location, which it wasn't. Um, this store that I have right now, it's doing good. We're doing great things. I put experienced person, one of my managers in that new store. Let's get it going. And guess what? Time goes by, it, we are six months into this, and the store is not making any money, and it's costing us money. Right now, this is now month seven and number eight, and we are making decisions now. This is a numbers game. We think we know what we're doing, right? And it's not working out, and it's costing me and dragging my good business down now because you know everything that we're making here, we're putting there to make it work. So you got to figure out where is the moment that you're going to come up and just pull the plug and you're going to say, that's it. We got to change something either drastically or pull a plug and 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 forget about it. Um, and that's exactly the same thing. If you're selling on Amazon or eBay, you got to realize where are those moments where you have to pull the plug or change or pivot or do things differently or go out and ask even for help if you got different resellers. Hey, what should I do? Reach out to this person. Hey, I know you've been selling the same stuff like I've been selling. What are you doing now? You'd be surprised how many people will open up to you. Obviously, nobody's telling everybody like their secrets, like we were talking earlier, you know, when I'm getting my new stuff. But somebody will say, hey, listen, I've been selling this also for four years. It completely tanked. You're still trying to sell it. Just get out. Try to get in. Don't continue on that path. And then you're going to have that validation from somebody else. Yeah, it's really time. So you got to really like figure out this is this is a nonstop roller coaster, nonstop. You know, today, you know, iPhones are going to be selling, but three years from now, somebody else is going to come in a bigger player. And all of a sudden, this is not going to be worth anything. So it's like playing the game, figuring out, understanding. And this is a tough one, actually. This is probably when most sellers eventually quit because they can't figure out how to pivot or how to pull that plug or you know save the little bit money that they have and try to do something totally different if something works for you for seven eight ten years and you were comfortable and all of a sudden it's not working 
us as humans, it's very hard for us to change, right? And figure out the new way. Um, not that we are a lot of times lazy, but it's just the habits that we have. It's hard to break that habit. You know, even if it's not working, you're still pushing it because that's what you know. So it's it's a tough one, man. It's a really tough one. It seems like adapting is the key. Like if you don't adapt, like you're done. And sometimes you can go a couple years and you don't have to adapt. Sometimes it's like six months, especially like yeah. you had talked about the good till canceled. Like that was a huge deal. And you had to adapt like within a right. month. You had no choice. And I'm still trying to figure it out. And it's still not over. It's been only implemented for what, two, three months. And it's still like uh, we are almost back kind of to normal, but not really. I'm still playing with this whole idea. How is it going to play out? I don't think we're going to see like hardcore numbers till it goes for like six months to a year. You know, how is it really paying off for eBay and us? You know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, hey. So any last, last, you know, minute things you want to share with us, like with it or, you know, just some last minute hmm. advice, Pete. Not, not that this is the last time we'll talk. We'll talk again, hopefully soon. But any thoughts? I want to I I ask you guys questions. Oh, wow. Actually. Okay, turning the interview. Turning the interview, yes. Because, Mike, I hear you are planning to go on a road. Is that true? Or is well, what's the idea? I mean, I I, I heard you looking for um, RV. Are you gonna go on a road? You're gonna take the business with you on a road as well. What, what what's the idea? I wanna I wanna hear. And I got some kind of input for you after you answer a couple questions. Nice. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, so um, I mean, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast that that California is expensive. San Diego is like one of the top like 10 most expensive cities in the world to live in. It's ridiculous. Uh, and so we have a young son. He's almost two years old. And uh, my wife works, you know, the nine to five. She makes really good money. And since we've started this reselling and, and got into this reselling, we've realized that that this is this is the hustle we want. Like this, this hustle allows her to have more time, potentially have more time with our son. And so we decided in order to really make this happen, we had to like downsize. We had to to really just find ways to cut expenses while we're building this and making this happen so she could stay home from from work. Uh, so the way we did that is we just purchased a fifth wheel, uh, which currently is on uh, a lot that her parents own. And um, we literally are going from like a nice condo and sold almost everything that we own and are moving into a fifth wheel uh, and then are going to just use some storage units um, for eBay there. And we're thinking potentially uh, of getting a big trailer that we can attach to our vehicle um, and then do kind of more of like gypsy style going from, from, you know, city to city, picking up stuff at thrift stores, garage sales, making connections uh, and, and maybe selling on the road. But we do want to be uh, kind of located centrally in, in San Diego. Okay. So, but are you, so are you still, both of you still working full time or are you ditching your jobs as well? And you're going on a road and doing this flipping stuff. Yeah. So we're, we're both full time right now. Come December, she's going to, she's going to start staying home from work. Um, and then I'm still going to work full time. Uh, but because I'm a teacher, I have quite a bit of time off. So I'm, I'm off for a few months during the summer, several weeks during the year, there's, there's weeks off. So that's going to be the time we kind of utilize for that. 
travel. Oh, I, I see. So, so mainly the traveling part is going to be happening when you have the lots of time off because you're a teacher. But the fifth wheel is really you decided that you're going to downsize. You're going to live in a in a fifth wheel, basically, yeah. right? Yep. Now, is it is is it going to be like okay, I'm going to live here for a month or I'm going to live there for another month or is it going to be, are you staying at certain lot? Like you saying that it's parked always at the same spot. I mean, yeah, we're st- I'm trying to get a, I'm trying to get a feel how is, is, is this going to be more you guys exploring and trying to buy stuff on a road or is it really downsizing because this is the lifestyle you're going to pursue eventually, maybe down the line, just, yeah, I'd say it's like 95% right now, just downsizing, uh, freeing up some capital for investment, freeing up some money so that we can, um, you know, live off of just my salary plus what we're doing with reselling, uh, as opposed to working, you know, full-time job. So mostly downsizing right now, uh, the travel aspect is going to be smaller and then potentially down the road, we might be able to build more into that. But for now it's, it's just permanent location for, for the most part, semi-permanent for at least the foreseeable future, probably the next five years. Uh, in a fifth well, so going that's minimalist. awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, if you if you can do that, and if you can create that, see this this was what we were talking right at the beginning of the show about that lifestyle. You know, uh, it's amazing if you can. You started flipping. You figure out that it does work, um, and uh, you can you can figure out little bit things here and there okay maybe if i downsize a little bit here and we move here maybe my wife is going to be able to stay with my son but i'm going to be able to supplement her income with my flipping we both enjoy that right what's better than that i mean that's that's right there yeah i mean it's I, i it's hard for me to imagine like you said we've been doing this podcast for just over a year and like the very first episode that we had, I think I had maybe a week of reselling under my belt, yeah, right? Like I, I was a hundred percent rookie, like teach me how to resell. And, and it really is amazing what you can do when you put that work in, you put that time in. And, um, like you said, with just the lifestyle aspect of it, you know, we know it's not for everybody, but it, it is an incredible lifestyle. It's an opportunity to free up time to be your own boss. And, and so we're really excited about it. Um, I'm really blessed to have um, her in my life because she's she's the strength where I'm weak. Like I don't like listing on eBay. She loves listing. She doesn't like sourcing. I like sourcing. So we make a good team. Absolutely, huh? absolutely. Now, what about you, Orlando? What are the plans for the next five years? You are full time now. You're doing this now for a few years. Correct. You got your feet wet pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know the game. You know eBay. You know Amazon. You know what's going on in the fourth quarter. Or like, like, where's the focus now for the next few years? So, what are you thinking? So right now, I'm in a very transitional stage in my life. Um, a lot of a lot has been going on. Uh, I was married for a while. I'm no longer married, and it's just me and my boys. And I spend time with my boys. And so that was a major shift. I was a man. You're asking these deep questions, Pete. I was in a I was a school administrator for five years, and I was a teacher ten years before that. So this is a completely different life for me. Um, I very much worked 16 hour days. I was very used to always being around people all the time. You know, you always had to shake hands. Hey, how's it going? How's life? And now it's very business, very motivated. So I've taken this opportunity. Number one, I have two young boys and I feel like I missed out a lot of their life the last few years. 
you know, I was spending 16 hour days, you know, with other people's kids, which was great. And I love making that impact. But I come home and I give my kids maybe 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. And then I had to send emails. I had to answer text messages. And so part of these next five years is, you know, my my oldest is 13. And, you know, I only have so much time until he goes off to college. Uh, my eight year old, you know, I, I'll have him for a little bit longer. So I want to focus on them. And so reselling has allowed me to do that because kind of like you said, you can choose to work 60 hour weeks and then the next week, maybe you work 20 hours. Right. And so it kind of carries. And the other part of it, Pete, is I want to build wealth. And so part of what we've been talking about, you know, we've done this other kind of episode called the Level Up Review, which we look at these finance books. Right. And one of the themes is about accumulating wealth. Right. Not not changing your lifestyle, but keeping the same lifestyle and just continually building. So for right. me, the next five years is continue scaling eBay continue scaling Amazon. I'm kind of back and forth about that because like you said, Amazon gets tricky and I, I find a lot of safety in eBay right now. Uh, but Amazon, like the last two days have been incredible. Like I couldn't sell what I sold on Amazon the last two days on eBay. It might've taken like two or three weeks. So my goal over the next five years is while I'm trying to enjoy time with my boys, while I'm trying to, you know, continue scaling my, my businesses, is to, you know, allow that wealth to accumulate. So I'm in a place where then, you know, five years from now, I can make a decision. And you said five years, so I don't know when this will be, right? I still, right. Um, I am going to be teaching again in the fall because I'm a history guy. So I love history. So I actually had a, um, a lot of parents knew me and, and they reached out to me and they wanted me to uh, teach their students who are homeschool kids. And so I'm okay. going to be doing that once a week for 90 minutes. I get to teach what I want. I get to grade how I want. It's beautiful. It's a, <laughs> and you know, I get paid to do that. So I'm going to be able to still enjoy what was my first passion, which was teaching history, you know, engaging students and, and making an impact. But I got to tell you, Pete, this uh, reselling thing, we never talked about this, but you know, six years ago, I just started doing this as kind of a joke with a few friends. And it started with a $20 bet. We shared this like in the first couple of podcasts and then it grew into, Hey, you have 40 listings. Hey, you have 200. Hey, you have 500. Now you have a thousand. And then it's like, Whoa, like this is something serious. And so right now I'm just going to, I love, I love this. Like you said, Pete, my question has always been right now is, can I do this for the rest of my life? And I'm about to be 40 in a few days. And I, I'm kind of in this stage where I still feel like I'm 20 but I'm not right. 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> and I get that. It's And so I'm just trying to sort this out, Pete. I'm trying to, I, I feel like I've been given an opportunity through reselling where I never expected to go full time, like kind of, you know, situations push me to make that call. And now I'm full time and I'm loving it. I'm loving one, the reselling aspect Two, I'm loving the community. I mean, I never thought Pete, I would have you on a podcast Okay, ever in my entire life. Like I just watched you on YouTube years ago and now we're here. So I'm loving the whole social media. I'm loving the podcast side of it. And uh, right now, you know, reselling is paying the bills and doing a little bit more. And uh, that's just what I'm trying to do, at least for the next five years. Don't know how long this will be. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what, where this leads. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, I try to ask myself, every couple of years, that same questions, what's going to happen within the next few years. And it's been <laughs> 20 some years yeah. later, you know, um, 
so you kind of always really really don't know till the end right because it, it it all depends i mean something could happen tomorrow and we have no more internet and we are all screwed right basically and i'm happy that i have my brick and mortar then but um but i think one big thing that both of you guys mentioned now that the ability that this business gives you a flexibility and that lifestyle I don't think you can do many other businesses no. the way you can play this business. Like we said, okay, this week I'm going to work 12 hours. Next week is going to be 68 and the next one 40. But this one I'm taking completely a break because I got to do something and things are still rolling. How many businesses are out there that you can do this like that? You know, I know, yeah, you got to get your feet wet and things going. But eventually when you get it going... You can, you know, you can do this like this pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. If you are doing, I don't know, roofing business, construction business, you step away and things are falling. You step away. You only work 12 hours this week. You're not making any money, mm. period. You know, so it's like if you especially if you're playing like one or two person game, I'm not talking bigger operation. Obviously you can scale a construction business, have employees and offices and, you know, people working for you, but I'm talking about, you know, like, you know, one or two people or even three people teams, you can really make this happen. So that's what I love so much about this business, you know? No, and Pete, that's it's why doable. it is. And that's why you've been such an inspiration of Mike and I, because I, I look at my life now and I look I, in just the last, it's been a year. I've taken three trips with my boys that I never would have been able to do before mm. and fully paid for with reselling. And on top of that, I didn't have to ask for a day off. I didn't have to worry about what's going to happen when I get back. I mean, I had packages and, you know, all the normal stuff. Right. But just the freedom, it's just, it's, it's yeah. such a, what a time we live in history to be able to do something like that. Amazing. Unbelievable. Not only that we can do this, but look at, look at, like you mentioned earlier, look at the community. We are doing this podcast. We are just, you know, we are our own mediums. We are talking to the world. This is insane. It is. What's happening. This is absolutely insane, you know, and you can really ramp it up and eventually, you know, things like YouTube and stuff, they're all of a sudden become, you know, part of your income as well, you know, down the line too. Um, there's lots and lots of opportunities that you can, you know, turn this into potentially profitable uh, businesses. So yeah, it's amazing time for sure. So I got a, a quick question for you. So, so I think I answered the, the, the fifth will with the, the way we're going to do it. However, I'm interested to see what you had to say. If we were to go hundred percent on the road, like what's your advice to somebody who's, who's wanting to go on the road reselling? So here, I think when it really comes, the two, three, four niches that you really got to be educated about and know um, how to do this business on a road. Because I don't think, like, for example, what I'm doing now, there's no way I could take it on a road, right? There's no way. I need a big warehouse. I need spacing. I need employees because we do volume. I buy in bulk. I mean, how are you going to buy in bulk when you go on a road? There's no way. So you got to really figure out a few niches that you are really good in it. And those niches are actually are making you like excellent money. I have a friend, for example, 
who travels all the time, his niche is vintage musical instruments. Hmm. He only has about 30 to 40 items listed on eBay at any given time, and he only sells one or two a month. Average ticket is about $7,000. Wow. Hmm. So he figured it out, right? How to play that game with only selling one or two items a month. You know, he I was just talking to him the other day. He sold a guitar for like $4,200. That was his second sale this month. <laughs> but he doesn't need a bunch of sales, right? right? But what happens is he, he looks at the whole United States, looks for deals everywhere. And if he's local here in Chicago, if there is a deal to be made, he's jumping in on a plane tomorrow morning, flying into New York, buying a guitar for two grand that he can flip it for four. Wow. That's his game. That's what you can do when you go on a road, understanding the certain product that you can maybe potentially even have with you. And you can ship out whatever you are, but you got only few of them, but it's good enough that you're making money. Because if you're buying something for, you know, 2000 and you're selling for four grand and you do a couple times a month, I mean, you know, it works, right? That's awesome. I got another friend who only deals with high-end watches. Same thing. All his tickets are, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars. So it's just like understanding what you can go after and then be really good at it and and you can make it work. I mean, I I I talk to my body all the time and I'm like, if if I would ever sold my shop or whatever would happen, this is the model that I'm doing. Mm. This is what I want to do, what you're doing. Because he just, okay, tomorrow I found something. He might not buy anything for a week, two weeks. Mm. And then he'll have a couple of good hits here and there. And he literally just jumps on a plane and flies across America, you know, because he just made a deal with somebody and flies back. And potentially this was a $3,000 flip. Wow. wow. There you go, There you go. (laughs) That's a good model. That's how you do it. I like that. Obviously, you know, it requires a little bit of money, but eventually down the line, when you understand the game, you should have some money saved up Mm. to play that kind of game, you know? Wow. All right. Well, Pete, I got to say, thank you so much for taking the time to, to be on the podcast with us. We definitely want to have you back on, you know, another time. And, uh, you know, I'm also looking forward to, you know, I haven't seen you do the, uh, I forget what he called it, but when you would get together with Chad, the golden finger picker and Ronnie Hart, hearts pickers, is that coming back? I (laughs) don't think so. Okay. All right. Sorry. I don't think at least at the not at least uh, at the moment, um, especially when we did our uh, reseller, reseller rally. rally in Chicago a couple of years back. I thought it was gonna happen the following year, and now this year, and just things didn't work out mainly because of some health issues. Okay, um, not with me, but you know, with 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 Chad. Um, Chad, if you're listening, all you can do this. He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, so hopefully, ho- we were just actually, all three of us were talking today. And um, we were saying how cool it would it be because this was actually the time when we did the reseller rally in the middle of summer. Mm. And we were all talking maybe one day again. So we'll see what happens. Okay. I just had to ask because we learned, I learned so much 
I, I remember looking forward to those all the time. You guys would just shoot the breeze too. That was cool too. So it was fun. Just- yeah, I, I really enjoyed the the shows doing with uh, with Ronnie and Chad big time, big time. There was there was good time, lots of information, and I learned every single time too. We all did, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody had a little nugget here and there that somebody said. I'm like, hmm. Then even after the show, I would tell the guys, oh, Chad, how you do that? Or, you know, Ronnie, or you know how much stuff I learned from Ronnie about clothing, Mm -hmm. which I actually, I'm going to be open about it. I hate clothing. I absolutely (laughs) hate clothing with passion. But I, like I said earlier, I'm dangerous enough that if I spot something, I will pick it up. So, uh, but yeah, I miss those shows. But I just wanted to, you know, just say thank you. And Again, you know, I think what the, what the takeaway is we are we're all learning. Pete, you saying you're still learning is a big deal because yeah. we're all learning, and uh, it's just a great community to be a part of. So, hey, Pete, yeah. uh, thank you so much. We will make sure to keep in touch and, and have you on again, hopefully soon. And uh, Mike, you got anything you want to end with here? I just want to say you're you're probably one of the most real, relevant resellers that we know. So. Thank you for that. All right. So that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Cheers.